1: Friday rolling on. Good to be with you. I'm Jeff. Tom is here. He's here, I assure you. Little reminder, pre-recorded, as if you couldn't tell, we're at the house again. He's at his, I'm at mine. be weird if you were at mine, like in the other room. You could do that at some point. Or like if all of a sudden, in the middle of while I was talking, you just see you see Tom on the screen and you see my head behind him like, Hey, we're, I'm really right here. I'm really right here. <laughs> Anyhow, that said, uh, that's not the case. I am obliged to tell you uh that this is pre-recorded per fcc but it's on the same day It, it was earlier just before we would normally come on the air so we're not missing anything juicy we don't think and if we do Forgive us. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Happy Veterans Day. Rolling on Libations Friday this hour. My mother will join us. She picked up a game. I just mentioned that at the end of the last hour, but just a, a thought that maybe she's getting on a roll. We'll see. I like to lure you in. I don't know if that's the case or not. I bet we both lost last night's game as I did take Atlanta to beat Carolina. I haven't asked her yet who she picked, so she could pull uh, the wool over my eyes here and be like, no, I took Carolina, Jeffrey, even though I would suspect that was a lie. But my mother's not a liar, so I don't know.
2: Yeah, maybe it, if it's an NFC South clash, a classic one, you should just mm. pick the team with the worst record. You know, maybe that's the way to go because it seems to be the way that it works in this division this year. That it is the quest for seven and ten. Because I would set the over under on what's going to carry the division at this point at seven and a half wins, and that might be a little heavy to the top side of it.
1: One of my favorite things uh, about how these things play out. I remember many moons ago. So do you. New Orleans was a juggernaut and Seattle won the division with a sub 500 record out West. Yeah. Yep. And new Orleans traveled to play because they weren't a division winner or whatever it might've been uh, or the better. I don't know how it worked, but they had to go to Seattle and uh, Seattle March the famous run took place and that place went nuts. Yes. And, uh, and Seattle beat new Orleans. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the record. Uh, that's that's one good thing and bad thing about the NFL. Yeah. Uh, you can be wholly middling or below average in the National Football League in a given year if the division works out in your favor for whatever reason. And in this case, the reason would be the NFC South is garbage. And if you could relegate the NFC South this year, you would. But that said, you have you have a team that wins the division. And if they get healthy at the right time, and they get to host a playoff game. You kind of don't want to play them.
2: Yeah, agreed. Uh, that happened. Um, They weren't under 500, I don't think. But the when Steelers. The Bucks, when the Bucks played Washington. Oh, that's wild- right. Around 2020, that game was nip and tuck because Heineke played out of his mind. It was the, He was the highest rated quarterback that weekend. But I recall all those years ago, the game that you're speaking of, because the next game that night, that was a wild card Saturday. The next mm-hmm. game that night was Mark Sanchez and the Jets traveling to play Peyton Manning and the Colts in Indianapolis, and the Jets won the football game. Yes, they did. The goofiest Saturday. Mark Sanchez, for all his foibles and butt fumbles and all that kind of stuff, beat Belichick and Brady in Foxboro and beat Peyton Manning in Indianapolis in his career.
1: That is worth something, at least. Did, didn't Sanchez, if I'm not mistaken, I think Sanchez may have taken the Jets to not one, but two AFC Championship games. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. yeah. Yeah. So the, the the narrative on that guy is that he was a bum. He wasn't a bum. He was okay when he was healthy. He was never great, but he was okay. He, he didn't stink. He understood the concepts and could get the ball out and they could win some games. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, you know, we'll worry about the NFL later, but last night's game, good God. I hope you didn't watch it. I hope you took uh, our advice. You took it to the bed. Maybe you watched some college football. Maybe you got caught up on some movies. Maybe you watched All Quiet on the Western Front on Netflix. It's really good. I suggest you do that. Maybe you caught up on some documentaries. I do that often as well. So I'm in the midst of of a documentary role, by the way. When I get done with this run, Tom, I'm going to tell you about like 15 that I watched that are all really good. I already told you about the one out in Los Angeles, but This is really, really good, really good run for me right now. I'm in a good place Uh, and well-rested and fired up and ready to go. And Florida State, I think, is going to play really well tomorrow night against Syracuse. And this has been a good week. It's been a quiet week. I like quiet weeks. I like to to hear nothing of any sort of um, uh, off-the-tracks behavior, conversations, weirdness, or anything like that. Like, even the thing that happened with Sam McCall feels like that's been – calm down. Everything's cool. Yeah. Mike used it as a, a way to prop him up a little bit there. it's it, That is a conversation in and of itself. Mike Norvell, the coach that we're always talking about is now most assuredly, I guess things could go south, but is in a really good position, right? People, I think, have kind of come over in their way of thinking with the way that this team's played. They certainly will if Florida State wins tomorrow night. They've got a gift-wrapped win, it would seem to me, the following week. At that point, you will have won four straight. People will be feeling really good about the program. You'll welcome in your rival on a Friday and hopefully get that W against the Gators. And at that point, there's no doubt he'll get an extension and he will have won over the vast majority of the fan base. Still work to do, but he will have won over the vast majority of the fan base. Uh, What I like is as you watch the maturation of a coach, you watch a coach who's very young, Sometimes I have to remind myself he's younger than me. Um, he's a coach that has made some mistakes right before our very eyes, both in game management, at times, maturity, you name it. We've seen it, right? It's going to happen if you like him, and I do, and you think he's a good coach, and I do, and you do believe that he's only going to get better through these lessons he's learning because he's very observant. He wants to win. He's desperate. He's a hard worker. he's He wants to see this thing through. He gets it then you're okay with living with the bumps in the road. I understand that our fan base spends a lot of time telling people this is not a learn-on-the-job job. job. This is not – we're Florida State. This is not Fresno State. You don't get to come here and figure it out and lose games along the way because you were either too immature or whatever it might be. No, that's not true anymore. It wasn't true at the time we hired him. At the time we hired him, we had to be willing – to watch a young coach who's clearly good mature further on the job at Florida State. And our fans hate it when I say that. They don't agree with me. They don't believe Florida State's that job. Whenever he does make mistakes, that eventually costs us a game. They are the first in the chat to say, see, this is what happens when you hire a young coach from a non-Power 5 conference who's too young to get it. He's learning on the job. That's not what we do here. It is what we do here. You got to humble yourself. We weren't good enough. We were losing coaches left and right. You had to bring in a guy whose upside was great, but whose maturity level we would watch play out. While we're watching it, it's kind of fun. It's more fun when you win games, but see the LSU game. Um, It is kind of fun, though, because you are seeing growth. You're also seeing growth off the field where he's dealing with players and success and frustration and some higher profile recruits expect to play sooner. And a guy like Sam McCall, a huge recruit, well thought of, that guy comes in and probably expects to play more, especially in a blowout. And he's frustrated that he hasn't. So I just think that uh, the way Mike is handling that situation, the way he's handled some others is proving both maturity wise, also, game management wise, also player development wise, all of that. We're watching it play out right before our eyes in a good way, in a real good way.
2: Yeah. As long as he's not a kick returner, don't give him that reward keep him off of kick returns. That would be my number one thing with McCall. Um, The thing about Mike that I really appreciate is he never shies away from whatever criticism there may be levied against him as a play caller or the team, because he understands where the expectations are. So He doesn't say, woe is me. Guys, we're figuring it out along the way here. Plus, the roster is not where we need it to be. He never says that. He says, I know what the standard is. And if we're trying hard and you want to applaud us for that, so what? That's the bare minimum that we can do. He doesn't take the built-in excuses that he could have for the mess he inherited and the COVID year. He doesn't take those and run with them. He just wants to progress the, the operation, move it forward, and adapt. And also, play at the level that should be expected here at Florida State. He doesn't shy away from rivalry games. He doesn't shy away from expectations. Mm -hmm. That's important because sometimes coaches love to play the little violin on a Monday after a loss. Because, well, look at this. We had this guy go down. What do you want from me? Basically, they say, that's the attitude of what do you want from me. He's already very mature in that regard. The maturity we're talking about is in the course of 60 minutes. And for me, tomorrow's game, I think, is about reeling the team back in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's not about pumping them up. It's about reeling them in because on, on Tuesday's practice, the first portion of Tuesday's practice, I thought they were sloppy. There are a lot of flags being thrown and, and uh, multiple drills. They got it together and they finished strong. But then in Wednesday's post-practice comments, Coach Norvell hardly ever presses the button and says, I thought we were sloppy. Usually it's, it was a good Wednesday. It was a good Tuesday. He noted that they didn't come out and they didn't practice very well to start on Wednesday. So I'm looking for him specifically him and his body language tomorrow night to be somebody who's making sure that things are tightened up and people are focused because I imagine that the film they've seen from Syracuse the last few weeks is not inspiring. And so he's going to have to make sure that they ratchet back up because Syracuse will make you earn the win. Doesn't mean that they're a great football team. Doesn't mean you can't run away from them, but they're going to make you earn it. So yeah. hopefully they go up there and do the right things. and The process is all in place for tomorrow.
1: I've said all week long, Syracuse is a team that um, it's kind of likable. In the sense that they're competitive, they're very competitive. Um, they, they've, they've we've seen some regression, uh, both statistically and otherwise. Right, like that, they were getting all of the breaks. See the turnover margin, they were getting all the breaks in crucial situations. See the Purdue game, they were getting a lot of things that aided their six and zero start. And we knew that there would be some crashing back down to earth moments for that team. They're just not talented enough to sustain that, and that's happened. But all along, they're competitive. I mean, they're going to fight you. They're going to fight like hell, and they're going to hit you. They're, they're physical. They're a physical team. So, yeah, you got to go earn it. That's correct. I think it's important, what we're talking about here with a coach, and I was thinking about this, Tom, while you were talking, you were bringing up the example of when a coach has to reel his team back in. This kind of gets to a point where, with coaches, once you've established – So when you bring in a new coach, at least us in the press, you're trying to get a sense of who he is, you know, what what makes him tick, what kind of leader is he? How organized is he? What do practices look like? What's the central messaging? Is it consistent? All these things lend itself to giving us context to come on the air and talk to you guys about it or to write about it on warchant.com. When you establish at some point along the way through evidence that it's a good coach. He is organized. His messages are consistent. His entire staff echo those sentiments. The players have begun to buy into that. They play really hard. There's no more malcontents. The locker room is fixed. Morale is better. Guys are playing really hard. So when you go from there to, okay, how quickly can he get his guys in here? How quickly can his team start winning the games against teams that have like talent? How qu- Okay, so that's another step. And then there's another step after that. You're always grading. At some point, you get to a place where a coach is elite, and you leave it alone, and you just talk about the games on Saturday. You just talk about the games on Saturday. But during that process, one of the things I always look at, and this is something that can tell you a coach is fully arrived, or a coach is on the decline. Somebody that's already there is beginning to fade. And that is when they don't know their team. They don't understand the psyche, and they don't tap in to those emotions and those moments to get where you can push the right buttons. Jimbo Fisher at the end didn't know his team. And I cite numerous examples of this. Sideline interviews do matter before games. And if you listen or watch closely, you'll get evidence a lot of times as to where that coach's head's at, what he thinks his team is prepared to do. Go watch Kirby Smart before that Tennessee game. He knew damn well they were about to beat that ass. He, was, he had them ready He had them angry that Tennessee was more well thought of than them. He had them frustrated that Tennessee was the talk of the town averaging 50 points a game. He was reminding everybody, it's our defense that won a national championship a year ago. You do realize we're playing here at home with at least seven professional football players to be on the defense. This thing's getting shut down today. He knew that. He said it without saying it. Jimbo was, before the BC game, when we got blown out, sure we were going to play a great game. When we went on the road, and I predicted it to get boat raced by Louisville, said all kinds of crazy things about how ready his team was to play that weekend. And he knew damn well they weren't ready to play. And you could just tell he didn't read his team anymore. The ship had sailed. The plane had crashed into the side of the mountain. So it's important when you have a Mike Norvell maturing right before our eyes, team ready to play every week, playing hard, playing smart, winning games, getting the desired results. Is he still with his finger on the pulse emotionally, uh, mentally with this football team? Because I think you're right. I think he's got to humble him this week. I think he's got to tell him, hey man, if you're not prepared to go up there and play an eight o'clock game against a Syracuse team that won't quit, that will fight you, that is physical, you could find yourself in a dogfight late in the third quarter. And when that happens, the pressure shifts to us, not them. He's not going to say this, but he's got to know it, right? He knows it's much more important right now that Mike Norvell win this game as opposed to Dino Babers, whatever Dino. I mean, right, he is. He's just. He's a placeholder. I mean, and the reason I say that is Dino's had some success. He's had some miserable failures. He's had some success. He's had some miserable failures. But the standards at Syracuse are much lower than they are at Florida State. So the again, the stakes are higher for Mike Norvell than they are for Dino Babers. Dino Babers goes to a bowl this year. He had a good year. Had a good year, period. And that, I'm not knocking him. I'm saying that's just, that's a good year. Mike's got to show that we've taken another big step forward, and he's on the cusp of it. He's on the cusp of it. So reading your team this week and pushing the right buttons based on those emotions they either have or don't have, they're either the sloppiness you saw or didn't see, the readiness that you sense or don't sense is going to be huge. I think it's a great point.
2: Yeah, if Schrader plays, and this is you know the qualifier of all qualifiers, but if he does and you're up, let's say, 10-0 or 14-3 or something along those lines, I want to see how they continue to play because when Miami was in that position last week and we threw the interception even at 14-3, to threw the interception even at 14-3, to that drive was it. If they got off their goal line, maybe there's a pulse, but they didn't. Jamie Robinson ended up making a really good play. That's where Van Dyke got hurt. But Jamie Robinson made a very good play on Brown one-on-one coming off the goal line. They went empty, which means that they're going to run it, and he made the stop. They punt 21-3. That game's over. That game is more over than Georgia Tech was in the second quarter. Yes. Syracuse, it won't necessarily be over. So if if Schrader is playing, what I'm going to be looking to see is, let's say that Florida State does insert itself early. Are you, are you still going to stay engaged? Because you didn't have to the last two weeks. But I think you will this week if Garrett Schrader plays. But if he doesn't, then this is going to look, I think, a whole lot like the two weeks prior.
1: You're tapping into a fear that I have in this game. A, Syracuse doesn't quit. We knew Miami was a bitch. So there's two things here. Syracuse is going to continue to fight, right? <laughs> was that Siri? Yes, because of, because of Syracuse. Yours, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: She <laughs> was weighing in on your comment about Miami.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Syracuse is the opposite of Miami in that sense. They'll fight. Secondly, they can be very physical in the run game. How good is this defense? We don't know. We just don't know how good they are. Statistically, Florida State's defense is pretty good. I'm saying I'm not, not a believer. I, I, I don't believe that's true. I don't think they're good. I think they're okay. I think they're okay. They might even be pretty good. I don't think they're close to elite. I don't think they're a top 20 defense like some of the statistical measures say they are. I don't, I don't think so. I don't. Syracuse I, may not be the one that exploits it. Syracuse may not have the weapons to be able to but they'll have the what for and the want to and they'll fight and be physical. And again, I just wonder if, if that, if, if we struggle to stop the run, we may not, we may not struggle to stop the run. Fabian Lovett is back. It changes the defense. I agree. But if Syracuse gets the run game going, the problem you have is it keeps your offense off the field. And so somebody might say, well, I think we're going to score against Syracuse. Not if you don't have the ball. And I just – it puts a lot of pressure on the offense if Syracuse sustains some drives and flips field position even. So, that is my lone fear in this game. Okay, so
2: here's the qualifier again if Schrader plays. Uh, they won't be able to run between the tackles, I don't think. Uh, they, they don't. They're Their blocking this year, uh, at least in the ground game, has been weak. And that's where I should probably check myself when I say they don't feature Sean Tucker as much anymore. I think he's good enough to make guys miss – a la what Dalvin did in 2014 when there was somebody in the backfield on every other freaking snap or uh, excuse me, 2016 when there there was somebody in the backfield, every other snap. Um, So I think they're going to be able to stop that portion of the run game. But if Schrader plays, it brings a whole new element and you can read off of a Jared versus somebody like a Patrick Payton. And then, get to the next level, and see if we can tackle in space. Also, that's a large body. You've got to decide to come up and be physical to tackle straighter. If he's not available, then again, I think this whole thing implodes, but if he does play, I think that's where the ground attack would come from. It's not in standard running between the tackles. I think we would hold up against that. I do think the defense has improved, but the thing that Syracuse is going to test one way or the other is the perimeter defense when they're throwing little quick quick numbers to either the tight ends or to Tucker. And do you diagnose that correctly? Are your eyes in the right place? Because if there's one place I, I don't believe that Florida State has improved, it's at linebacker beyond the starting two. You know, we had talked about that well, a well, lot.
1: Go ahead. That's not an even an opinion. That's fair. That's a fact. They're not much better than they were outside those starting two guys. Those so starting two guys are pretty good, but right. that's, that's what you got.
2: Like, Gant is playing a lot for a reason. It's because these other solutions we were looking for just aren't Not there out and, and our eyes are in the wrong place all the freaking time. And there's a specific player that that happens with. And and if you do that against either a read option game or the quick throws to the perimeter because you get caught in the wash or you get or you buy some sort of play action up the middle, then that's how they'll hit you and gash what looks like a simple play turns into a gain of 12. And you go, God, dog it. Are you kidding me? Correct. So, that's the place where I still believe we're weak. I think the secondary has improved. I think they look a whole lot better with a, with a front four that's completely healthy. So I think those two things work in tandem and we feel better about the defense one way or the other. Uh, but if Schrader plays, then the quarterback run I think opens up some other things and, and they exploit the linebacker
1: level. I'll say this and we'll wrap the segment. I do believe Schrader's going to play. It does seem to me that he's going to play. I don't feel like uh, that there's, there's a false sense of, um, Uh, of of security that they have up at Syracuse right now. They're kind of hinting at the fact that he had strong reps this week. So I I think he's going to play. If he doesn't play, then that opens up all kinds of speculation about what's going on, but I don't really care what's going on at Syracuse. I just think he's going to play. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV again we'll bring mom in on a libations friday lucy goosey edition of the show she's actually on this time you get to see my mom you guys have seen her before but you'll see her again here and i should note mama gained a game last week she's now down i think just 10 i don't know i think the graphic was fixed i think we have a graphic or something along those lines uh that tom will post here and i'll look at it and you'll look at it and then we'll end up playing the sounder and all that good stuff so it's time for all of it tom i I ask you to do. Go, go. You hit your thing. Go and for.
0: And now for another edition of the family pick. Nick. Go to your room. Ma, the meatloaf. Take it away, Jeffrey.
1: That. How good is that? We now have an actual little lead-up, build-up uh, for and a graphic for the picks segment. Well, let's welcome in mom right now. Hey, mama. How are you?
3: i'm great we're getting really fancy <laughs> i couldn't believe it
1: <laughs> i know i know well i appreciate you for for my mom folks this is pretty early so uh here we go she, yeah, she's a disclosure. night owl
3: yeah full disclosure this is not really jeff's mom really I, well it is but you know you'll, I, I normally look a little better than this
1: <laughs> you look fine mom all right so you gained a game on me last week you're how only how down 10. It? I know. You're only down 10. Are you ready for the picks? You ready?
3: I guess so. Oh. I, oh.
1: Quick what? question. I lost last night. Oh, I had Atlanta. I,
3: I had the Panthers. It's right here on my sheet.
1: Oh my goodness, gracious. She brought receipts. Mom had <laughs> picked it on the idea. sheet,
3: right? <laughs> this is the old-fashioned way. <laughs> what
1: made you pick Carolina?
3: i don't know i picked atlanta last week and they didn't that i I said that's it i'm done with them i thought maybe remember i said last week i thought maybe they were starting to get their act together a little bit and i thought well i'm just gonna throw caution to the wind
1: well you picked up another game on me last night so now you see we've adjusted if you look at your screen mom it's down to nine now i'm gonna tell
3: you this is quite uh quite fancy
1: (laughs) all right so here we go
3: okay I'm
1: uh Seattle at Tampa Bay in Germany.
3: I, I know, I know. Um, this game makes me nervous. I Seattle is playing, you know, it's funny. They started out at the beginning of the year not doing good at all. And now Geno Smith seems to be doing all right. So I um I um I can't decide now what to do, but I picked the bucks.
1: Okay, I'm going to take Seattle, and, and we're going to have that different, and I hope you win and lessen the uh, uh, the I, amount of the comeback.
3: I'm afraid of this game, and I think I'm just going to – I don't know. I'm very worried about it, but I think you may win that game. But I, I'm just going to stick with my bucks. Vikings at Bills. Now that's going to be a game, but now I have a question about this game. I don't know if Josh Allen is playing. We don't know either. Oh, well, that – 50-50. Making- That makes a huge difference. Yes, it does. I mean, if he's not playing, I'm picking Minnesota. If he's playing, I'm picking
1: Buffalo. (laughs) All right, so we'll we'll write that in as a contingency pick. I'll let you do that because we don't know at the time of the game right now, at the time that we're recording this show. And that is fair because in the real world, if I'm betting a game, I'm going to damn well know whether the quarterback's playing. So – Right. I agree with you, by the way. If if Josh Allen plays, I'm picking the Bills. If he doesn't play, I'm picking the Vikings. So we're in agreement there. Let's just – it doesn't really matter. We're going to be on the same side either way.
3: Okay. Um, All right. Very good. Yeah, because I even checked about that um, uh, late last night, and they, they didn't know. So I was like, well, I don't know what to do.
1: Lions at Bears.
3: Oh, I picked the Bears. I don't know why. I picked I the Bears, too. Okay. Jaguars at Chiefs. Oh, Chiefs. Browns and Dolphins. Yeah, that's a that's a hard one too. Um, I picked Miami. They're what at Miami, you? so that's why
1: yeah. I picked, picked them. They're also better. I took Miami. That's a good call. I love how beholden you are to this sheet, Mom.
3: I I know because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to make sure that I remember who I picked.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! All right, Texans at Giants.
3: Giants. Saints at Steelers. That's another one that I don't know about. And I picked the Steelers, but I think I'm going to take the saints. I think I'm going to take the saints. They didn't do right by you last
1: week. They sure didn't. They're not any good, but the Steelers, I think the Steelers are terrible.
3: Well, I I know the Steelers don't really have a, well, they have that new young quarterback, but I mean, that's the thing, but I just think New Orleans is terrible.
1: I'm going to take New Orleans. Okay, all right, here we go. Uh, Broncos at Titans, Titans,
3: Colts at Raiders. Oh, yeah, god, isn't that a terrible game? Putrid, I don't think anybody's gonna watch that game. Um, Indy at who at the Raiders? I took the Raiders, I guess I'll take the Raiders.
1: I, I, this is awful. You're right,
3: I don't know why we have games like that.
1: Packers hosting the cowboys
3: cowboys cardinals at the rams another yeah, dreadful game that's another dreadful game um i took the rams i i i don't really know why I, that's a terrible game
1: it is i don't care who wins i don't like either one of these teams they both suck. i'll take the rams but i i it's a coin flip i don't i is, don't know it
3: is a coin flip
1: chargers at 49ers
3: yeah i took the 49ers
1: Good game. Me too. Commanders at Eagles? Eagles. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Those are our games. That's it?
3: We picked them all? I think Holy we did. Smokes. Holy smokes. That went by quick. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so we have, Um. well, what do we have? Two different. You took Seattle. Oh, no. Well, we had three because you had Atlanta, but Seattle and New Orleans.
1: That's right. You did remind me that I had Atlanta. I lost that game last night. Yes. I you took the Bucks, I took the Seahawks, I took the Saints, you took the Steelers.
3: Yes, I did. I did. And I I I don't feel good about about my Bucks pick, but I I'm just hoping that they're going to get on a roll. Mom, I love
1: you with all my heart. Thank you for using modern technology and joining us this morning.
3: I love my segment. I'm so excited about it. If we do it again, I promise I'll look better.
1: You look fine, mom. I love you. I'll see you later.
3: Love you too. Have a good weekend.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's mom. She did a great job. I'm proud of her. That's a stream yard. She got on there without a problem. Knew what we were talking right there. Camera's a little antiquated. But that's okay. We'll come back, react in a moment. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. War Chant TV.
0: Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
1: Friday, Jeff Cameron Show on the house. Thanks to my mom. Appreciate her. Zaxby's, pregame, postgame, no game at all. Anytime is the right time for Zaxby's platters. Just so long as you are hungry, feed your team with your choice of traditional or buffalo fingers, or boneless or traditional wings. If you're having trouble deciding, get the best of uh, both worlds, really. Yeah, why don't you do that? Get choice of traditional or buffalo fingers, boneless or traditional wings. It's a simpler platter, baby. Don't forget that world-famous sauce. Satisfy your chicken gravy with Zaxby's platters. Order online or in the app. Your Tallahassee Zaxby's, a proud Golden Chief booster for 17 years. That is a good thing. And our thanks to Zaxby's always. Pre-game show, 7 o'clock. Watch along, 8 o'clock. Post-game show, as always, 10 to 15 minutes after the game wraps. As always, we're certainly hoping that Florida State Comes out, does the right thing, takes care of business. It'd be nice to say that you're on a three-game win streak, getting ready to host Louisiana Lafayette. We build towards that final game against the University of Florida. Kind of intrigued by Florida's game on Saturday against South Carolina. I want to see how they look there. South Carolina at least has a pulse. Uh, They don't have 10 guys out due to the flu. The team hasn't quit on Beamer. So we'll see uh, how that game plays. I do think Florida has too much firepower on offense for South Carolina to win, but I do think it could get interesting, so – a lot of question marks. For this late in the year, there's a lot of question marks about both those teams. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see how that, how that plays. Um, I'm really just trying to ready my mind for the fact that we really have an opportunity, another great opportunity here uh, to garner another win, improve your bowl standing. Uh, after all, we are going to a bowl regardless, everybody. But uh, you have the opportunity to improve your bowl standing here. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't know that I will be – any less excited to go and cover a bowl at the end of this season than I have been uh, any number of other years where Florida State was playing in a, in a more high-profile position. It's just the, the long, hard road, guys, the long, hard road back to respectability, the long, hard road back to what we think feels like our rightful place in a postseason, uh, and, and obviously a long, hard road to credibility. And Florida State is in a position now to, to really – I mean, look, if you go 9-3, and three, sweep your rivals, beat LSU at the beginning of the year uh, in New Orleans with the country watching, play really, really good games against the teams that you lost, you know, you you will – I'll tell you what you'll do, maybe except for Wake Forest, I really feel like you'll look back and think 12-0 and 0 was possible. Think about how nut that, nuts that is. I mean, if, if you're being honest with yourself – you'll start to allow your mind wander a little bit about how they played a little. If, if you don't blow the lead against NC state and you take care of business of 17 to three in the second half, if you uh, don't for whatever reason, have a disastrous end in beginning of a half against Clemson, you, you could win that game. Uh, and then I, I think the only unrealistic one, well, people will people will convince themselves that they should have beat Wake. Wake was a lot better on that day. Wake was a lot better on that day, and and I know the final score looked better than it was, but Wake really kind of controlled that game. They they did, but if Greedy
2: Vance comes up with that interception that's right in his hands, you've got a chance to either tie the game or take the lead outright in that moment. And I, I think you do
1: have a chance, you do have a chance. I think that the if you go by the way the game was played, if you just like the who was in control, like you know I hate ESPN's yeah. game control. Wake was in game control for a long time in that game.
2: They were. The problem with that game, too, is any 50-50 play went their way, and and that was the hard part. It's let, Let's say that there were 12 50-50 plays. Nine of them went the way of Wake Forest, either because we did something wrong or they just – I mean, I, I think about the third down. to Catch down the side. Renardo Green. It's to Renardo, and, and he's – there's nothing wrong. Renardo did nothing wrong whatsoever. Kid
1: makes a play. I mean, Jesus. Of course he did, because of course he did. Well, I do think, you know, it's interesting. Wake's recent losses have had a lot more to do about the slow mesh being collapsed. So you're seeing some interceptions from Hartman. You're seeing some things that he didn't do earlier in the year. I would tell people, go back and watch what's going on in these losses for Wake. That slow mesh is getting blown up. Right. So if you want to make the argument that with Fabian Lovett, Florida State would have beaten Wake Forest. I'm here for it. I tend to agree. I think with Fabian Lovett, they collapse that slow mesh far more frequently, and you have an opportunity to kind of force the issue a little bit. But we just never really could. We never really got to him in, in a traditional sense. And so I, I just that, – that game. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point I'm making is that Florida State has improved so much that depending on how you look at some of these games, you can argue that Florida State should have finished 10-2 and two. You can maybe argue, if they take care of business, they got to beat Syracuse tomorrow, and they got to beat Florida at the end of the year. And and those are ifs. I think they'll beat Syracuse tomorrow. They'll be favored to beat Florida at the end of the year. But Florida's got a pulse, and they're very physical, and they've got an elite-level athlete at quarterback. I mean, that's a freak of nature at quarterback. If that kid decides to play 100% and be physical and run when he's given the opportunities to run when plays break down, if they use them in design runs because it's the last game of the year, uh, you can have a problem on your hands. He breaks tackles. He's big. He is um, a miniature version of Cam Newton. And, you know, I wish I wish he would have played better this year so he could take it on down the road, because a fully realized version of Anthony Richardson is a problem for everybody. Yeah, for
2: sure he is, and and this is where I'll reflect once again on the second half of the Miami game, where Florida State turned loose a quarterback who could run and run you over a little bit. I just I'm so glad that film is out there because I think it better prepares Florida State for the task at hand tomorrow, and then by extension, if Garrett Schrader plays, which is I think it should be on a T-shirt this week, um, it'll it'll better prepare Florida State for the test of Anthony Richardson. It's kind of a, like how playing Jaden Daniels prepared you a little bit better for Malik Cunningham, two different style of quarterbacks, but when it breaks down. And it's about, can I make a man miss? I mean, that part of the schedule was so daunting. Reflect on that part of it, not just yeah. the losses that are three in a row. But you face those two quarterbacks. And Malik and and Louisville's had a bit of a renaissance here in the back half of the season, trying to save Satterfield's job. It's a really interesting game to that end tomorrow against Clemson for Louisville. Because I think Louisville's offense is, you could probably hang your hat on, is more consistent with Cunningham at quarterback than Clemson's is right now. So that's an interesting game. But when you reflect back on those two quarterbacks that you had to go against and how nightmarish it was to try to get those guys on the ground, it's not the same challenge that you're going to have tomorrow with Schrader if he's available and also Anthony Richardson. Those guys just run your ass over. They're elusive, but they're just going to run your your ass over. So I'm glad that they faced somebody who's closer to that in Brown against Miami, and they did go down the field on some backups. But I love wins when you could teach. And this was a Georgia tech was, and we circled that as one of the reasons that we thought Florida state would play sharp because they made a lot of process errors against Georgia tech, but yeah. this final score and the result didn't reflect that. And then here again, is it is an element of a game that you dominate, but that you can learn from we're better prepared for that. To me, it's just all about being detailed sound tomorrow and being invested in doing the little things against a team that's put a lot of bad tape out there in recent weeks and a team that's also banged up at a lot of positions. They don't have their best cornerback. They've got some issues in the trenches. Their quarterback is not 100%, even if he plays. Don't let that seep into the mindset and put out a Georgia Tech-style first quarter. Go up there and and take care of business. And I hope that running counter 30-plus times against Miami instills that idea into the offense that, hey, this is who we are. You know what? If you're not ready to come match us block for block, down for down, well, then you're not ready to beat us. I hope that's what we see tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think they've discovered their identity. There's no doubt. I I was kind of harping on this all year at the beginning of the season, too. Florida State wants to be a run-first team. They they want to be a run-first team. They want to uh, impose their will. Uh, They do it a lot of different ways. For a lot of this year, outside zone was a big part of what they were doing. They were able to run outside zone all night long against Clemson. Obviously, this last game, as you just mentioned it, it was counter. Uh, They don't run a lot of power, but they do run some. Uh, They don't always have to introduce Jordan Travis's legs to the equation. But when necessary, you can always – that is your get-out-of-jail-free card, by the way. Uh, I love that, you know, you only have to use that get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly when you land on go-to-jail. You can play the game, keep playing the game without ever having to use that card right? If you're winning and you're acquiring properties and you're having a good time and you just have this in your back pocket right over here, get out of jail. Oh, look at that. I landed on get out of jail. Suck it. I'm not going to jail. That's Florida State with Jordan Travis. It's like, now don't make us do this. Now you guys are being a little ornery and stopping our traditional runs. Now don't make, all right, that's it. Jordan Travis is running. That's what happens. And it's a completely different deal. If you're able to avoid having to run him and keep him healthy for longer stretches at a time and, God forbid, uh, he's able to just beat you from the pocket and you're able to run the football, then by all means keep doing that. But just remember, if things are slow to start tomorrow and they're struggling with the run game for whatever reason, yep. you do have the other get-out-of-jail-free card right there, and that is to run Jordan Travis, which they did in the red zone a little bit against Miami, which we saw. So i, I just tell you, it's it's out there.
2: So, visually, if you're on WarChant TV right now, you know where I'm about to go, but it's time to spring a little game on you in the final segment, a mm. uh, little prize, prize game. And that's right, you can use promo code WarChant for a 100% deposit match up to a lot of money. Mm. But I wanted to pull up a couple of Florida State plays, and we don't necessarily have to set lineups this week, but Jordan Travis' number, passing yards wise, is 235 and a half for this game tomorrow.
3: I'm going obviously- over.
2: You're going over. Okay. Why? How do you think he gets there? 240 yards
1: <laughs> <laughs> what kind of plays though do you think that we're going to scheme up some downfield shots or is this the oh, dink, and dunk express? It's all dink and dunk quick game stuff with him in the passing game one shot play after they get him coming up and 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 then you get the, the long game and he just barely gets over the yardage i'm more intrigued what are the rush yards while we're playing this live it's kind of fun to do here um i by the way in my personal life i'm not going to do anything with our game as yep. far as prize picks goes I Fair. will I will lay the points but I'm not touching this game from a prize pick standpoint I'll, I'll look elsewhere
2: it is impossible for them to set a number because Treshawn Ward could be you know playing in this game so there are no Florida State running backs and how about the respect for Florida State defensively and also what's happening with uh their trader that Sean Tucker doesn't even have a prop for tomorrow I'm gonna
1: night. go I'm gonna go Micah Pittman over 35 and a half yards.
2: Is that because Micah Pittman had, uh, I think there were zero targets last week? Yeah. <laughs> I think they're <laughs> they
1: going yeah. 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 to get him the ball four or five times in this game. I agree. I, he'll I, also he'll also make somebody miss. He is tough. He might run through a tackle. I mean, I, I like Micah with the ball in his hands, man. He's c- pretty electric. He's going to want, he's going to be hungry. I think they're going to feed him a little bit here. He He's kind of squeaky wheel gets the grease. I have a feeling he's been a bit of a squeaky wheel maybe this week. Well, and I think there's there's
2: decent reason for it because it's not like he's incapable. And and in this Correct. game, this game sc- uh, screams for, and, and there's the prize picks picks of the week, Pittman over and and uh, Jordan over is what you like. But this is a game for perimeter screens. And you want Johnny blocking for somebody. That, it could be Ja'Kai Douglas, too, or it could be a deuce span or it could be somebody else. But Micah Pittman fits the mold better. And I think it's just like anything else. It's human nature. They know they need to get him at bats. They know they have to, and they should, because he works really hard and he's a good player. This, well, you're right. I think this is the time that you get him those at bats.
1: Yeah, and that's, by the way, the p- good point to make there, Tom, because I-, I think it's important people realize that when I say he's a squeaky wheel and he wants the grease this week, yeah, his personality is that way. He- he's going to tell you about it. Uh, he- he's probably a little bit more needy than some of the other guys on this team. But... In fairness to him, he's tough. He'll block for his fellow receivers. He cares deeply. He's physical. He's bought in. He works hard every single day. He comes to practice. He does everything right. So this is not me saying, hey, everybody, alert, 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 prima donna. No, it's a guy who does want attention, but he also works for it. He also works for it. So it's it, it's it's fair. It's a little bit more palatable is what I'll say. Much yep. like our friends at Tallulah have the palatability of CBD, mushrooms, THC, you're floating about. You got the juice in your hand. Forget about it. There it is. Touchdown, Otter. Loving life right there on the BBC. I'm telling you, swing by Tallulah. Relax your weekend. Go in easy, everybody. It's all perfectly legal. All perfectly legal. Not everything that they sell at Tallulah will get you high. A lot of things just kind of mellow you out. Relax your muscles a little bit. I know. I like Tallulah. I go there frequently. So do these little floaty characters. So that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Just want to say thank you to our friends at Tulula. I think if I could have
2: one thing that's moving art in my house, it would be the floating touchdown otter. You know, if there was one thing on the wall that could just be a, a moving painting, that is just what I aspire to.
1: Well, <laughs> one to of the, reasons, <laughs> well, the other reasons you love it is just like that face is the cutest face of all time. You're just like, look at you. You could not be more adorable. Look. <laughs> he's like i got this everybody i got this yeah Yeah, and when you go out to california when i was in san francisco you see them all over the place and one of the funny things it's funny they put their babies on their chest sometimes so they're floating and you'll see a mama like this and the babies are just laying there like that's fantastic (laughs) it's even better it's good all right we gotta go we gotta say goodbye to everybody good work out of you tom thanks to my mom thanks to lee sterling of paramount sports thanks to all of you
2: Make sure you stop at Metro Deli tomorrow in downtown Tallahassee That's between right. Park and College. 20th anniversary, 11 a.m. it starts. It goes till 5, live music at 3, and most importantly to all of you, free beer while supplies last. And there's good a lot job,
1: of supply. Yeah, good job, Metro Deli. All right, be good, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the pregame show beginning at 7 o'clock. Peace and love. Take care. Good ols. Bye.